You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Well, we're going to be continuing our simple gospel series. The main text for this series we're going to put on the screen is Romans 1, 16. Let's read it together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Mm-mm. for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Listen, write that verse down, memorize it. I want to encourage you, as you guys do these series and as you have these, these main texts, these main verses, I want you to commit them to memory memorizing scripture is one of the most important and impactful things that you can do no matter what age you are. Uh, The psalmist says this, I have hidden your word in my heart, Lord, so that I might not sin against you. And let let me correct something here because sin just, sin isn't just not doing bad things. Like that's what we think sin is. Like I did something I shouldn't do in that sin. That's not what sin means. Sin is missing the mark. It's missing the mark. So here's what that, here's what the psalmist is saying is he's saying, if I want to live up to the potential that God's called me to, If I want to live up to the calling that God's, listen, God's called you to some amazing things in your life. Like God's God's put some incredible things inside each of you. If you want to live up, here's what the psalmist is saying. If you want to live up to the mark, to the call that God's placed on your life, then you got to hide the word in your heart. And listen, hiding the word in your heart is different than getting the word in your head. Like to get the word into your head, you just got to hear it and you got to read it. But there's a difference between getting the word in your head and getting the word in your heart. When you get in the word in your heart, it's got it's to to get the word from your head to your heart. It's got to pass by what I like to call the elevator, which is your mouth. The word's got to come out of your mouth so that it can get in your heart. So listen, write this verse down, Romans 1.16. Write it down. Memorize it. Speak it. As you're getting ready in the morning, write it on your mirror. Write it out loud. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Everybody say it with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Say it again. Come on. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Listen, that is some good news tonight. So we've been in this series, Simple Gospel, talking about the simple things, how Pastor Jackson talked last week about how simple things are powerful, right? Like sometimes we get caught up in the complexities and the flashiness of life and and the fancy things and the new things, and we forget and we miss out on the simple things that God has placed, the simple truths about the word, the simple truths about the gospel. That's where the power is. Oftentimes I find that the secrets of life, the secret to living the life that God's called you to live is sometimes found in the simple things. The cross is simple. The cross is simple. Listen, put your trust in Jesus, and he takes care of the rest. Like that is, you can't get any more simple than that. It's hard. It's hard to walk that out, but it's simple. It's simple. God dumbs it down for me. Like sometimes I think it's just for me because if it were complex, I would miss it. It would go right over my head, but it's simple. So the thing we're talking about tonight is going to be another simple truth. We're going to be talking about something that speaks to our identity speaks to who's God, who's God called, who God has called you to be, speaks to how God has created you to think, speaks about how God has created you to interact with other people, and it's this, it's the title of my message, it's I am a sheep. I am a sheep. Turn to your neighbor, say, I'm a sheep. Turn to your second favorite neighbor because, you know, you didn't look to them first, and tell them you smell like one too. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you, and we're grateful to be in your house tonight. 
And Lord, we thank you that you're here in this room. Lord, we feel your presence. We experienced your presence in worship. Thank you for how you came today, Lord. We give you a place of honor this evening, and we, we ask you, would you open up our hearts? Would you open up our ears? We want to see and hear you in a new way. We want to walk away changed tonight, God. We want to be more like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. I am a sheep. I am a sheep. Um, over the past two years, kind of since like this COVID thing started, which is still going on, um, which is crazy. You know, remember when it first started, we were like, oh man, when is this going to be over? Maybe three weeks, four weeks. And now we're like two years into it. And it's like, all right, we're hunkering down, I guess. But about two years ago, there started, I think we invented as a society, I think we invented a new word. Um, and it, it, like a new diss, because I guess we needed more ways to insult people. And, and the insult that we came up with was to call people sheeple. You ever heard this before? Sheeple. You never heard this before? Okay, so, so people would use it. Let me show you the context. Like people would use it like mask people versus anti-mask people, and everyone saying it to each other, or vaccinated people versus anti-vaccinated people. Everyone's saying it to each other. They, they go, oh, you're such a sheeple, meaning like you don't think for yourself. Meaning you just go along with what everybody says. Like you just go along. And both sides are calling to that. And I'm not getting political tonight. Some of you guys got a little uptight. I'm not, I'm not touching that. That's not my, that's not me. Um, but but the, this insult of sheeple, like what they're saying is like, hey, it's a bad thing to depend on other people. Hey, it's a bad thing to fit into the crowd. It's a, it's a bad thing to go along with the flow of a group of people. And, 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 and I want to challenge us with something tonight because I love how the kingdom of God works. Because there's oftentimes that the world says something is important and says that there's something that we should hide from and we should be ashamed of. And then the kingdom of God operates completely different. And this is one of those things because, listen, the word of God calls you a sheep. Psalm 100 verse 3 says this, says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. John 10, 14. I'm a good shepherd. This is Jesus. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Psalm 23, that's another verse to, to, to write down, memorize. That whole chapter is good. It has gotten me through sometimes. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm a sheep. You're a sheep. If you belong to the family of God, that's what God calls you. He calls you a sheep. And on the surface, if you know anything about sheep, it kind of seems like a diss. Like, it kind of seems like an insult. Like, I don't know if here in Edmond, Oklahoma, you've ever been around sheep before, but sheep are not cool animals. They're not. They're stinky. They're dumb. You ever been in a petting zoo and looked in the eye of a sheep? Like, there's something wrong there. Like they, they're, they're like, look, they're cross-eyed. There's like little slits in their eyes. It's like there's, there's something not happening inside of a sheep's brain that should be happening. Like it is short-circuiting. Like sheep are dumb. Sheep are also like useless. Like you never heard of a, uh, of a pack sheep before. Like meaning like you don't like load them up with a bunch of stuff and you don't hook them up to a wagon and, and help you carry stuff. Nobody measures like the power of a car by sheep power, Right. <laughs> We call horsepower. Horses are majestic, not sheep. Meh. You know? Sheep are not cool. You never heard of a football team named the sheep? Rams? Rams have horns. What's a sheep going to do? Hit you, suffocate you with all its wool? Like, what would even, what would even the, 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 the chant be of a sheep? Would it be like, ba 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 trample him? You know, like, I don't know. 
But my point is, like, it seems on the surface, like, what is God doing? Like, is he trying to, like, put us down? And I want to challenge us with something tonight because I don't, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think that's what it is. Um, let me read you some statistics. I jumped a little ahead there because I got some funny things for us here in a second. Let me listen to this statistic. Not statistic, this fact. If a sheep rolls over onto its back, okay, so it just falls over for whatever reason. The wind knocks it over. I don't know. It may not be able to get up without assistance. So it's just stuck there, okay? But listen, I got this off like a sheep website, okay? Like, I trust my source here. It says this. Once they roll over and can't get back up, they become distressed, and they can die within a short period of time because they get so stressed out. And all the girls were like, oh, there, because, yeah, it's a sheep. But also, like, you know, should that animal be alive still? You know, I'm not sure. Or I saw this video the other day on Facebook. David, would you, would you play this video? It's hilarious. You can't make this stuff up. Wait, wait, wait. Play that video again and turn the volume way up because there's this noise this sheep makes here that's hilarious, okay? Listen, everyone, be quiet. How often, how often is that with us with God, though? You know, like, let's be honest. Like, God's like, okay, I'll help you out of this pit that you got yourself in. And then, like, we go, I want to run away from God. I don't want to do what he tells me to do. And we're just going to jump straight back into the pit. But that's not my point. My, my point is not, hey, we're dumb and we're lower than God and, like, we don't know what we're doing and sometimes we fall over and can't get back up. Like, we, we're helpless animals. That's not, that's not my point. My point is God has created you to operate and function in a group and function in relationship to him like a sheep does with a shepherd. So here's a couple of good things about sheep, okay? Sheep, sheep are designed to thrive in community, like they can't survive on their own. Did you know that you were created? You were created to thrive in community. Like even, even if you were to say, okay, you know what? That's not me. Like I'm a loner. Like I, I, I do my own thing. I guarantee you got people. I guarantee you got someone. Like maybe your herd is just a little bit smaller than other people, but you were designed to seek out community. Like you were designed to thrive in community. Um, and, and, and let me just be real with you guys tonight. Like I know some of you guys like to come into church. You like to come into students and kind of sneak in and slip under the radar. And maybe you lift your hands in worship. Maybe you go to small group and you say just enough things so everyone thinks everything's going on. But you're never real. Listen, you're never going to build any relationships with anyone unless you're real. You can't spell relationships without R-E-A-L. You can't. You can't do it. Like, you, you were designed to be in a herd. You were designed to grow and to thrive in a herd of people because we're sheep. That's what we do. We were designed. So listen, let me tell you something. You got to start being real with the people around you so that you can be in the herd. You can be a part of the herd. Listen, God's called you to th some things that you need to surround yourself with godly relationships. Some of you guys need to pick a different herd. Some of you guys need to be more selective with your friends. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be completely honestly, some of you guys are going to disagree with me on this, but just trust me here. Like the majority of the friends that you have in junior high and in high school, I guarantee you, 
come 15 years, come 10 years, you're not going to be hanging out with them anymore. You're probably not going to talk to them. Like out of all the friends that I had in high school and junior high, I really only keep in contact with one, and it's my wife, you know? So I got to talk to her. We got to be friends still. Like that's, there's one. I went to a big high school. I was involved in a lot of things. I was played a lot of sports. I was really involved in my youth group, did a lot of things. Just one. There's one, but even though you may not keep up with those relationships, the impact that those relationships have on your character and on who you become are lasting for forever. They will set the trajectory of your life. So you got to be more selective with your people. You got to look at your herd. That's my first point tonight. Look at your herd. Look at your herd. Turn to your neighbor and say, heard that. thought of that this week. I was like, oh, I'm going to put this in there. Okay, point number two. Point number one's look at your herd. Point number two, I need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. Sheep thrive under a shepherd. Because of their low intelligence, sheep have a hard time of finding food on their own. Like, they've got a terrible memory. Like, maybe they'll stumble upon some good food, some good grass or whatever sheep eat, you know. They, they stumble upon it, but then they're going to get lost. They're not going to be able to find their way back. They're not going to be able to find their way back to the good food if they ever make it back to their, like, homelands or wherever they live. Like, they, 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 they don't have good memory. And so what they need is they need a shepherd to lead them. And how true is that with, with, with us? Like, you know, maybe we go through life and we get lucky and we find something that satisfies our soul. Like maybe we find like a boyfriend or a girlfriend and it feels good and like this speaks to our soul. We find a hobby. We find a sport that gives us value and gives us a sense of belonging or, or we find, you know, a passion, something we're good at. And, and, and maybe it satisfies for a little bit, but at the end of the day, one way or another, it is going to leave us empty because we don't know how to find good food for our souls. But can I tell you this evening that you've got a good shepherd? You've got access to a good shepherd? I've been walking with him for a little bit, and listen, I'm never thirsty when I'm around him. He always leads me by, by uh, he's never let me go hungry. He's never let me go thirsty. He's never let me stay in a pit. The moment I reach up to him and call out to him, he helps me out. doesn't matter how many times I've been like that dumb sheep and jump right back into it. God has helped me. He's been faithful to help me every single time. Listen, you have a good shepherd. But did you know that God is not supposed to be your only shepherd? He's not. The word for pastor in the Greek is actually just another word for shepherd. It's a farming term pastor. And I know we like to think of it as like, you know, me and Pastor Jackson, and, and, but that's not what pastor means. Pastor doesn't mean that you work for a church. Pastor means that it's somebody in your life who you give permission to, to speak into your life. It's somebody that you, you look at and you go, okay, you're a little bit further along than me, and I want to look like you when I'm your age. Like, I, I want to talk like you. I want to walk like you. I, I want to understand there are things that, that, you, that you understand about God that I don't quite get yet, and I want to be around you so that I can grow in those things. Or, or people that have a, have a different perspective. They're just wiser than you so that you can run decisions by. You can go, hey, I'm thinking about this. Let me submit this to you as my leader, as my pastor. Like, what do you think about this? And what we're doing is we're allowing somebody else to speak into our life. Because, listen, it's okay to know. Listen, just get this now. It's okay to know that you can't do it on your own. 
Like nobody expects you, God included, to get, all, get it right all the time and know all the answers all the time and know exactly what to do every time. God's called you. He's designed you as a sheep. He calls you a sheep because he's designed you to operate um, under some pastors. I've got some people in my life that I've given permission um, to call me out on things. Like I've given permission. I'm honest with them too. That's really important. Like a shepherd is only as useful to you as you are honest with them and open with them. Like you can give you can give them some you can give them some fake version of yourself when you're around them and you can make them think like everything's all right, but you're gonna stay stuck. Like you gotta be honest with them. You gotta let them know, hey, here's where I'm struggling, here's where I need some help. We need a shepherd, okay? Point number three, don't try to be your own shepherd. Don't try to be your own shepherd. Listen, on our own, we will destroy our own lives. Proverbs 14, 12, I got a verse. I got a promise right here for you. We love to stand on the word here at New Song. Got a promise for you. There is a way that appears to be right. Other versions say it appears to be right to man. But in the end, it leads to death. In a world that says don't be a sheep, in a world that, that, that uses the term sheeple as an insult, in a world that says be independent and don't tell me what to do, don't tell me what to think, don't tell me how to feel, don't define love for me, don't define truth for me, allow me to define that for myself. In a world that says that as believers, as Christians, as people that should have our eyes open to the truth because we've come in contact with the truth, Jesus, we need to have the humility and the sobriety of mind to say, listen, I cannot do this on my own. So I need to invite some shepherds in my life. Don't try to be your own shepherd. Next point. I'm moving on. Find the right shepherd. You could also say know your shepherds. Because there are some shepherds that you choose, and there are some shepherds that are chosen for you. Okay, so let me, let me give you a list of some um, that are chosen for you, okay? Uh, first one is this, the government. Government, and I'm, we're, we're going to throw in here like your school, like your teachers, your principals, your coaches, your government. Let me, let me read the word to you. Listen, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you something without backing up with the word. Romans 13, 1 through 7 says this, and it's a long text, so bear with me. Please read it. I'm going to break it up every once in a while so that we can, we can really digest this. It says, let, this is Paul talking. It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. It doesn't say the ones that we like doesn't say the ones that our parents voted for. It doesn't say, you know, the teachers that are nice. It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. I can't get around that verse. Like, there are sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, there's no way around this. Like, listen, there's no, like, there's no way around. Like, this is a law or this is a rule. Maybe I don't agree with the rule in my school. But listen, the word says here, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, listen, resist the ordinances of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. So here's what that means, is that authority is not set up in our life to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Authority is set up by God in your life so that it can protect you from evil so that you can be free to do the good things that you want to do. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise for the same. And basically, it's just saying, like, hey, if you don't want to be afraid of the law, don't kill anybody. Don't steal. You know, like, if there's a rule, like, if there's a rule in your school, 
obey it. Like, it, it's quite literally black and white. Like, there's not many things in life that we're like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the law feels about murder, you know, and I'm using that as an extreme here. But, like, follow the rules. Follow, obey. This is what the word says. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger, the original avengers. To execute wrath on him who practices evil. Evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Therefore, listen, you're not off the hook because you've heard the word now. Like your conscience knows this and you know what the word says. You're not ignorant to it. So now you need to obey. Those of you that are driving, you need to follow the speed limit. Like, like, like the laws, like you are now going to be held accountable to the word that I've given you tonight, okay? Um, where am I? You must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, uh, you also, you pay taxes for their God's ministers attending to continually to this very thing. Render therefore all, all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Here's what this verse is saying. Let me break it down. This verse is saying that unless the government or unless um, your school or your teachers or your authorities in your life, unless they're asking you to do something that directly contradicts with the word of God, then you need to do it. And unless they are actively suppressing you from doing something that you know very clearly you should be doing, you know, like witnessing to people, talking about Jesus, you know, inviting people to church, you know, playing worship music and worshiping loud. Like, like unless, you're do, unless they're telling you to stop doing something that you know deep in your bones that God has called you to do and be bold, then you need to submit to them and obey to them, okay? It's kind of heavy, but it is real, and it's, it doesn't go away. For the rest of your life, there's going to be authorities, and they're in there to help you, okay? Number two, your parents. <laughs> Your parents. Um, there are two commands in Scripture for, for kids when it comes to uh, your parents. It's very simple. Like simple gospel, right? There's two commands. The first one is this, honor your father, father and mother so that your days may be long. Okay? There is no expiration date on that command. doesn't matter what your parents do. doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter how nice they are. It doesn't matter if you think they're great parents, if you think they're cool parents, if you think they're lame parents, if they don't know what they're doing, if they're too strict, if they're not strict enough. It doesn't matter. There's no contingencies in this word. It says, honor your father and mother so that your days may be long. Listen, this is a promise. You do not have to do it for them. You can do it for you. I want to live a long time, you know? I want my days to be long. Honor your father and mother. Now, here's, here's what I want to make sure to make clear tonight. What honor is, honor is not saying something that is untrue. It isn't. What honor is, is honor is seeing people through the lens that Jesus sees them. So it's seeing our parents in the light of, okay, this person has been put in my life to help me. That there is no one in this world that loves me more than them. And even if they, even if you've got a terrible relationship with your parents, even if your parents are not godly people, you can still choose to honor and to honor the position that they are in your life. You can still choose to not allow something dishonoring to come out of your lips. You can still choose to, when you're with your friends, not badmouth your mom because of the decisions she's, she's, the things she's asking you to do. You can still choose to guard your tongue when you talk about your dad, even though he may not be around anymore. You can choose to withhold the dishonor. And sometimes that's what honor is. 
Sometimes, sometimes it says who, that, that verse before, I'm going to jump around, but that verse before said, honor whom honor is due. So maybe they're not due honor. So here's how you honor them. You don't dishonor them. So there, that, that, that command in Scripture to honor your father and mother, that is until the day that you die. It's not even the day that they die. It's the day that you die, you're, you're commanded to honor your father and mother. But listen, here, here's, the, here's the second one. Obey your father and mother. Obey your father and mother. Now, this one does have a timeline to it. This one does have a contingency. You don't have to obey your parents forever. Some of y'all just say, like, oh, when? When is this? Next year? No. The word says that for this reason, you will leave your father and mother and be joined together with your spouse. So it's not just whenever you're married, then you get to stop obeying your parents. What this is speaking to, the principle behind this uh, verse, what it's speaking to is um, covering and provision. So as long as your parents are still providing for you, then you, you owe it to them to obey. And there's no shame in that. Because right now it makes sense. Like, right, like you, everything you have, like I doubt any of you are going to the grocery store and buying groceries. You know, I, I doubt you're buying most of your clothes. Like, you're a kid. You, you, should, you should be enjoying life, right? So it should make sense. You know, I'm, I'm living in mom and dad's house. I'm going to obey. There's going to come a day when you're going to go off to college. Are they still paying your bill? Because what that means, if you're still receiving help and provision from your parents, what that means is that you're not ready to be on your own yet. There's no shame in that. But what that means is that you still need to submit portions of your life to your parents and obey them. Because you're not in a space yet to be able to make those decisions on your own. You know, you might be 25 years old and mom and dad might be paying your internet bill and your cell phone bill still. That means you owe them a little bit of obedience. Doesn't mean they got to, you know, boss you around because maybe you're living on your own and you're covering everything else. But just out of respect, like you should put yourself in a position of like, hey, mom and dad, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Like, there's no shame in obedience. There's no, remember, we're being sheep tonight. We're going to get away from this mindset of I got to be on my own. I got to do my own thing. I want people to respect me. No, we're just sheep here, right? We're just sheep here trying to follow after the shepherd, okay? Your parents, you got to honor them. You got to obey them. Number three, your leaders that God has put you under. So think about it. Your small group leaders, your pastors, Pastor Josh, Pastor Jackson, Pastor Eman. All your, group leader, all your group leaders that are in here, Maddie, like these are people that God has placed in your life for a reason. They're people that love you too. And that's the thing with all of these like levels of authority in our life, like levels of shepherds, all of those people care about you. Like, so when, so when you go to your group leader and you're telling them about this new guy that you're dating or this new girl that you're dating and they go, hey, I don't know. I, I haven't seen them around New Song students before. Do they go to church somewhere? No, they don't go to church somewhere. Do they go to church on the weekends? No, I don't know if this is a good person to be hanging around. I don't know if this is a good person to be dating. Listen, they're not trying to stomp out your fun. They're trying to help you. They love you. If they didn't love you, they wouldn't say anything. You know, like maybe, maybe they're coming to you and they're going, hey, listen, these friends you're hanging out with, I'm not sure about them. 
Like they seem to be dragging you down a little bit. Like they seem to be keeping you from the potential that I see in you. Because that's the thing about shepherds is shepherds can see from a different perspective. They can look into your heart and they can go, I see the potential that is in you. I see the thing that God has called you to be. I see the thing that God's called you to attack. And their job is to help lead you to that. But we don't want to be stubborn sheep that just go around and start bucking the system and go, no, I'm going to run off on my own. We need to be, be able to come to a place where we go, okay, God, I trust the people that you've put in my life. I trust my leader. I trust Molly. I, I know Molly's never given me a reason to think that she doesn't like me or have my best interest in mind. So you know what? How about, how about I take what she says and I, and I begin to pray about it. I begin to think on it. Listen, no one can tell you what to do in life except for you, right now, except God and your parents. Everything else you have to subject to the Holy Spirit. But listen, if what they're telling you, could it be possible? If what they're telling you is how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in that moment, because there are some things in our life that I think we get so foggy about that we can't see clearly. Like relationships are a big one. Like there were people I dated in high school that like, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, they were crazy. They were so crazy. And I had people trying to tell me like, listen, this girl's crazy. This chick is crazy. But it was like, I had these blinders on and I was like, but I like her. She's cute. I don't know. We go to the same school. I don't know. And it's like, we just have these blinders on and we can't see clearly. That's why you need a shepherd. To go, hey, 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 this isn't good. But here's, here's what you need to do. You need to set those people up in your life and go, hey, Pastor Jackson, hey, Pastor Eman, hey, Molly, hey, I, I, I want you to be one of these people that speaks into my life, and I want to give you permission. If you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. Because when you say that up front, you remove the option of, of disagreeing. There's a statement that, that Josh Romano said, and he's one of our elders, he said this once in a meeting. He said, there's no submission until there's disagreement. You know, when a shepherd talks to a sheep and tells it to do, to do something, there's like whistles and commands that they do. You know, the sheep doesn't talk back. Like the sheep doesn't argue. The sheep's not like, I don't know, the green pasture over there looks pretty good. No, the sheep just goes. The sheep just does. And so you have to, you have to, you have to set, your, set those relationships up and empower them so that you can actually follow through on them, okay? I'm going to keep moving. Okay, the, the last one is this, the shepherds you invite. So maybe there are people that, um, and this goes in with your leaders and whatnot, there are people that you identify to be, okay, I want to be more like you. I want to give you some authority in my life to speak into things. So how do you determine who those people are? I'm going to give you a couple requirements, okay? One, they got to love God. They got to love God. Do not let somebody shepherd you who does not love God. Look at me. Look at me. Do not allow someone a place in your life to influence your soul that does not love Jesus. Because they will lead you into destruction. They will lead you away from God. They will begin to set up roadblocks in your mind. And they will begin to plant questions in your soul that the Holy Spirit never intended to be in there. I'm preaching to someone tonight. Listen, do not allow someone a place in your heart and in your soul that does not love Jesus, okay? They got to love God, all right? Even, even like your teachers and your coaches and stuff, like maybe they shepherd you in some areas, but if they don't have a visible and active relationship with God, I'm not allowing them to speak into certain areas of my life because I don't know that we're headed in the same direction. I don't know that what I call good is what they call good. I don't know if what my parents call good is what they call good. So we need to be selective. They need to love God. Number two, they need to love you, 
They need to love you. There's a lot of people out there that are fake and they want something from you and they just want to feel good about themselves by giving people advice or whatever. Do they love you? Do they love you? Are they loyal? Loyal. Meaning this, like, do they have your back? Like, are they going to, do you hear them talking about other people? If they'll talk about other people, they'll talk about you. If you talk about other people, can they trust you? Some of you upperclassmen, these underclassmen are looking at you and they're going, oh, man, that's someone that could shepherd me a little bit, someone I can learn from. Do, do they hear you slander people? Do they hear you talk bad about people? You know, guard your tongue. Are they loyal? And then number four is my favorite one. Uh, you want to make sure that they aren't perfect. And I did not misspeak there. You want to make sure they aren't perfect because nobody's perfect. So if somebody looks like they're perfect, then they're fake. You know, like if somebody looks like they have it all together, they're fake. They're not showing you the real you. Now, I'm not saying that our leaders need to like air their dirty laundry out for everyone to see. That's not what I'm saying. But do they have the capacity to admit when they're wrong? Like, do they exist in a world where maybe they're wrong sometimes, you know? Like, I look for that quality in leaders because I go, okay, I can trust that you're going to be honest with me because you're honest with yourself about where, you're, about where you need to grow and where you've missed it. One of my favorite qualities in people is an ability to admit when they've missed it. I think we think sometimes, oh, man, if people know that I missed it, then they won't trust me again. It's like I think that there's an aspect of that that endears people to you because you're like, hey, I'm just being real here. I'm, I'm good at things, and I'm bad at things, and sometimes I miss it, and there's a confidence in that. Like, do, do they, are they willing to admit when they miss it, okay? And then also when they do mess up, like when your parents mess up, give them grace. Like, I know your parents are older than you, and they're supposed to have it all together. I got two kids. Let me just tell you, I don't have it all together. I still have no idea what I'm doing. Like, Jackson can attest to this. Matt, you can attest to this. Like, we're just trying to figure it out. Like, we're just trying to lead our families and lead our kids and love God and, and, and work and do well and pay the bills. Like, we're just trying to figure it out. So extend some grace. You don't want your leaders to be perfect, so therefore don't hold it against it against them when they aren't perfect, okay? And then here's, um, here's a little side bit for you. This is a little bit of free information. One of the best ways that you can be shepherded by someone is to meet with them on a regular basis. Okay, now let me give you a couple, a couple pointers here. One, you need to realize that you have nothing to offer a shepherd. Like they don't need you to follow them. They have something that you need. Your leaders have something that you need. You want some wisdom. You want, some, you want someone to speak life into you. You want someone to, to help you discern what, 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 what's right and what's wrong. Like they have something that you need. And so therefore, you need to pursue them. I know people that have come in the church before and sat around and never reached out to anyone and then left. And I've been like, hey, where you been? I haven't seen you. Like, well, I just don't feel like any of the pastors or leaders like really want to invest in me. And I'm going, well, did you text anybody? Like, did you invite anybody to lunch? Did you reach out to anybody? Well, no. How are we supposed to know? Like, how are we supposed to know? 
So like if we if we can go, okay, listen, I need shepherds, right? Like I've shown you in the word, like you're a sheep, you need shepherds. So you need to be reaching out to your leaders to meet with them. And some of the best ways to do it is like over coffee or over breakfast or over lunch or like, you know, serve on the whatever serve team they're in, like figure out what serve team they're on and, and, and go and join them and join their serve team and like be around them relationally. And then when you go and you meet with these people, let me give you a couple of tips that, that you, you can, it will change your life. Like when I was your age, somebody told, told me these things and I've taken it into every meeting that I've ever gone to. Okay. Number one, bring a journal. Bring a journal, because here's what a journal says. Can I see a journal? Someone give me one. Thank you. That's why you should bring a journal to church, too, because what a journal says, when you walk into a conversation, you walk into a coffee meeting, or you walk into a place with your journal, what you're saying is it's a statement of faith. You're saying, I believe that there is something that is going to take place here that is important enough for me to write down. I believe that this leader is going to say something that's impactful enough that I'm going to want to remember it, and I'm going to want to write it down. And when we write it down, we remember it. Um, another thing that a journal does is because you're, you're using your faith and you're going, I believe that God wants to say something to me today, what you'll do is you'll begin to look for things, and you'll begin to pick up on things that you would have missed. You know, I, a phone is great. Thank you so much. A phone is great, but um, I don't know about you. I get distracted when my phone pops up. Um, so I, when I go into a meeting with Pastor Ken, he's one of our elders here at the church, or with Pastor Josh, like I bring a journal with me. I don't bring my phone. Um, one, because I don't want them to think I'm texting. I want them to feel like I'm valuing their time. And so I take my phone, I turn it upside down, I put it on the table like that, I put it on do not disturb, and I, and I sit there and I listen and I take notes, okay? First one, bring a journal. Second one, on that journal, bring some questions. Bring some questions, don't show up to a meeting with a shepherd expecting them to lead the conversation. Okay, come in with some questions. I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in where people, uh, someone's called and been like, hey, we need to meet with a pastor. And I go, okay, cool. I'll, you know, I'll set up a time and we'll show up to the coffee shop. You sit down. You know, I've cleared my schedule. And it's like, so what do you want to talk about? Like, I don't know. I just wanted to hang out. And I'm like, I'm all about hanging out. But, like, if you're here to, you know, I, I I'm not necessarily looking for friends. Like, if you're here and you, and you need something from me, you want to meet with a pastor, you want to meet with somebody, like, have some questions. Like, have some things that you want to know. When I go into a meeting with people that are my shepherds in my life, I got two or three questions always. I got two or three questions. I got, I got questions in the back of my pocket that I just wait for opportunities. When I'm around guys like Matt, when I'm around guys like, um, like Justin, when I'm around guys that have been doing it longer than me, I got questions. So, like, how, how do you, you know, tell me your marriage looks great. Like, what, what's, like, a secret? You know, like, hey, your relationship with God looks really genuine and authentic. Like, what's, what's your secret? Like, hey, I'm dealing with this. What would be your advice? Like, come with your questions. And the last one is this. Listen 70% of the time and talk 30%. If you can help it, like, boost those numbers up. Like, listen 90% of the time, talk 10%. There's a verse that I'm using with my toddler right now that we're speaking over him that is, be slow to speak. Well, actually, it says, at first it says, be quick to listen, and then it says, be slow to speak, be slow to be angry. The order in Scripture is really important. Be quick to listen. Usually we think of, like, listening as a reactive thing, like listening happens when a noise takes place. What that verse is saying is, like, I need to be quick to put myself in a position of listening. How many times have you ever been in a conversation with someone, and they're talking, and you're like, I have no idea what they're saying right now because I'm thinking about something else? You're not listening. Maybe you're listening with your ears, but we want to be 
quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry, okay? All right, last point. I'm going to close with this. Don't play the music yet, though. We're not there. <laughs> Don't act like a goat. People are like, what? This message has turned here. Don't act like a goat. Um, here's some interesting things about goats, okay? So nowadays, after hundreds of years, we've bred goats and sheep to look different. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a city boy. Never been on a farm in my life, I don't think, except for, you know, old McDonald's farm, petting zoo. And, like, you bring me into a petting zoo, I know fluffy, white sheep. Gray, little goatee, horns, goat. You know, like, I know the difference between a goat and a sheep. Sheep, fluffy, big, meh. Goats kind of have more of like a like kind of sound to it. Like, goats and sheep, easy for me to identify, all right? But like 100 years ago, and this was news to me, like 100 years ago, um, before like we bred sheep for their wool and we, and we bred goats for their milk, before that, sheep and goats actually looked exactly the same. And in some parts of the world, sheep and goats still look exactly the same. Like you can't tell a difference between the two, except, except by their behavior. Except by their behavior, Okay. Um, let me give you a couple characteristics. Sheep love to be in groups, right? Goats prefer to be alone. They're more individualistic. Um, they're more aggressive. Like, goats are known to, like, charge cars and stuff, you know, and, like, headbutt things. Um, they'll headbutt each other. Like, they'll just challenge each other. It's, like, part of their, like, like society makeup. Um... When goats are fenced in, like when you put them in like a pen, they immediately are looking for ways to get out and escape. Sheep don't mind. You can put them in one place, but goats are looking for ways to break outside of the boundaries. Um, goats will eat anything, like tires, shoes, hair, side of your house. Like goats will eat anything. And, and doesn't that just like sound like the world? You know, like, everyone's looking to buck the system. Like, everyone's looking to get offended and just start headbutting things. Like, every, everyone's, uh, everyone's going, don't tell me what to do. Don't put a box around me. Like, don't box me in. If you, as soon as I see a boundary, I want to break it. As soon as my parents put a rule down, I want to I challenge it. As soon as there's a, a, a boundary in my life, I want to buck against it. Um, or, 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 you know, eating anything. Like, the world will just take anything. Like, whatever. I guess this is truth. Like, I'll ride with this for a little bit until it doesn't fit, like, my worldview anymore. Like, I'll eat anything. I'll consume any content. Like, it doesn't matter how unpure and unholy it is. Like, I'll consume content. I'll consume music that completely goes against the, the, the design that the, that the world, that, 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 that God has created the world to exist in. I'll consume content like that. It's not going to affect me. I'll consume whatever I want. Like, that's, that, that's what goats do. But we're called to be what we're called to be sheep i think a big problem with the capital c church is that we got too many sheep that that forgot their sheep they're acting like goats they're acting like goats god, god never calls you to be a lion you know i see this all the time like oh, we got to be bold we got yes you need to be bold but we're called to be sheep we're called to be sheep um or we think this we we, we try to be i think sometimes we try to be the goat like greatest of all time 
you know, we like to talk about greatest of all time. Like Simone Biles was the GOAT, apparently. I don't know. Um, uh, like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, which one's the GOAT? We all know it's Michael Jordan. If you don't think that, you're not saved. Uh, Michael Jordan was the GOAT. There is no contest. Everyone else is deceived. But I think sometimes we begin to get a little arrogant and we begin to think, maybe not that we're like the best in the world, but we begin to think like, okay, I'm doing a pretty good job. Like, I'm going to read my Bible. Uh, I've been doing my quiet time. I've been praying. You know, I'm doing a good job. Yeah, I'm doing a good job. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, I think sometimes we get in this this mindset of like, okay, I'm doing a good job. I can do it on my own. And so then we begin to go, maybe maybe I don't really need my shepherds anymore. And I'm going to kind of go off on my own. But listen, this is dangerous. Because listen, even at your best days, even on the most spiritual days that you will ever have in your life, even whenever like you have, you, you've gone like 30 days on the Bible app with your reading streak, like even on the days where like, you know, you are encountering God in worship and you feel so close to him, even on your best days, you're still not as good as Jesus. You're still not as good from Jesus, as Jesus. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do no thing. Listen, there was one goat. There was one greatest of all time, and his name was Jesus. There was one greatest of all time. Listen, Jesus was the greatest at everything. He was the most perfect. He was the most kind. He was the most religious in a good way. He was the, he was the most passionate. He was the most knowledgeable. He was the most powerful. If anyone has an excuse to say, listen, I'm the goat, it would be him, and he wouldn't be lying, but he doesn't. What he calls himself is he calls himself a lamb. Like, think about that. A lamb is a baby sheep, Jesus, even the greatest man to ever walk this earth, still chose to identify himself as a sheep. He still chose to put himself under shepherds in his life. When he was a kid, it was his parents. We see that in scripture. As he grew, it was his teachers. You ever wondered why Jesus waited 30 years to start his ministry? This is so cool. I'm going to tell you why. Because according to numbers, you had to be 30 years old in order to be a priest. So that means he had to wait until he was 30 years old so that he could be in an appropriate position in society to be able to teach other people. He waited. He knew all the answers. Like he knew all the answers and he chose to sit and to wait. He knew it would be inappropriate for him to argue with the Pharisees because he wasn't yet a teaching priest, because he wasn't qualified yet. He wasn't, he wasn't 30. Listen, that seems like such an arbitrary, arbitrary like requirement, but no matter what, Jesus Jesus still chose to submit himself to the word. Even now, today, did you know Jesus can't just come back whenever he wants? The word says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And Jesus tells us when he was on the earth that he said, nobody knows the hour except for the father. So Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, still submitted to the father going, when can I come back? Listen, if Jesus, the most perfect person on the entire earth that has ever existed, the best man I've ever met, the man who's loved me, the man who's walked me through some tough things, if he's willing to submit himself to authority and to some shepherds, I think I can too. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?